This week on Ultra 64, we're playing A Bug's Life, and we are sowing the seeds of mediocrity and watching them bloom. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week, we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. And this week, the cruel hand of fate has fallen on a bug's life. And my name is Steve Gunley. I am worthless soil shoveler Woody Siskowski. <laughs> and who else is joining us today? I'm Michaela, a.k.a. Mick. Hey, welcome, Mick. As in Mickey Mouse, as in our Disney correspondent. Sure. As sure. In Mickey Mouse, as in Flick, uh -huh. as in Mick Flick. <gasps> Do we? Did you feel like you were gathering the pieces of your own name in this game I was, because it yeah. was very close? My own yeah. Story. <laughs> well, welcome. We're very happy to have you here. We are talking about A Bug's Life, the the game that is based on the Disney Pixar film, and as has become something of a story tradition around here, we are uh, watching. They, they tell legends around the campfire. Oh man! The Ultra sixty four <laughs> podcast and and the movies that they have watched. Somebody it's, has a hook. I know that it may not be a hand, it may not be a foot, but somebody around that campfire has a hook when they. It is a, it stories. is a real cavalcade of variety and Oof. quality that we have watched for this podcast. What have we done so far? We've I done Toy we've Story only 2. Two good movies? Okay. Um, yeah. We did not like Tarzan. Tarzan, Tarzan we weren't was crazy not a about. Good movie. Blues Brothers 2000 uh, definitely not good. I, I, Were there many I, others? I feel like Blues Brothers 2000 was better than The Phantom Menace. Yes, but, that's right. We watched Phantom Menace yeah. as oh, well. And, uh, yeah. The, the one you went to the theater for, Ram. Rampage. Oh, Rampage. Yeah, Rampage. Yeah. So. Yeah, where's our Rampart movie? Where this is <laughs> it, most of it, like ninety minutes of the movie is just people frantically building walls, <laughs> and the last ten minutes is just the walls being decimated. Yeah, or that could be like an Age of Empires game too. It's just like all done in extreme, like long shot, and just watching peasants work in a field. I want to do that movie. But we're not doing that movie. We're doing A Bug's Life. Uh, so, yes, this is our second Disney Pixar game after uh, Toy Story 2 colon Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. Are there any more? There are not any more. I think this is the end of our Disney games. We did do Tarzan as well, but that's not a Pixar one. Um, so this gave us an opportunity to go back and watch A Bug's Life, a movie that I don't think I've seen in a decade plus, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's been a while. Do you think you think it's about that long for you guys? Yeah. I watched it in college. Okay. Um, with a, a we all got day. super hammered. Yeah. And watched The Bug's Life. <laughs> actually, I watched it, it with beer my... Beer pong and Pixar night. Drink every time you that see an amp. sounds like my brand. <laughs> actually, but, yeah. Um, I watched it with my then boyfriend and he cried. Oh, at what Bug's scene Life. What did he cry at in A Bug's Life? At the end. When everyone's I've, clapping and it's all ooh. emotional. I he was know. a sap. Mm. Okay. Boy, I guess. Did the end of uh, Lord of the Rings just completely oh, yeah. devastate? Okay. I think he just cries in like every movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fair. It's That's the power fair. Of Not shaming. I'm just saying I think <laughs> of the of the tear jerky uh, Pixar movies, I feel like this mm. is the on the lower end oh, of definitely. the tear jerkiness. Maybe the Cars too. Yeah, yeah, that's the lowest. I mean, they, the lowest. they try to get, you can tell there's a few moments where they're trying to get there, mm. and you just, the characters are just not as well fleshed out as the, the other movies. Not in particular, but... It's uh, funny, though. It's full of good quips. I, I feel like this movie occupies kind of a strange space in, like, the Pixar canon, because this mm. is no one's favorite, no. but it's also, like, quite good. It's like, sandwiched between, I mean, two powerhouse I, Yeah, so that's the problem. It was... 
Toy Story one and two. It's it's right. Oh, okay. It's the uh, creamy filling of a Toy Story mm-hmm. sandwich, yeah. um, as we've all creamy dreamed of being. Filling. Creamy bug and juice it's, filling. It's kind of been forgotten about by the Disney canon. There used to be a Bugs Land in Disneyland, and now it doesn't exist anymore. Now it's Cars Land. I oh, they switched it out. Yeah. Oh man. But okay. they still have a Bugs Life theater. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so they still have some. Watch the bugs. I remember seeing some like the one time I've been to Disneyland. This was all, this was five years ago now, but like I remember seeing some Bugs Life stuff like mm-hmm. around California Adventures. So yeah. Yeah, they I still had it something. It's but... in like the little kid area of it. They have mm-hmm. like little like a teacups equivalent ride. I think oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Well, I either know. way, I, I, I kind of like it. I feel like a good di- the good dinosaur was trying to be a Bugs Life, just like a small weird that movie did not yeah. come together when you're, yeah. when you're trying to be a bug's life that does not bode well no. when your bug's it, life is your failed. target but a bug's yeah. life I forget about it and I feel like everybody does but then you come back to it and you're like this is fine it's it's charming as hell it's very very well done uh, and watchable? I think it, it's very watchable I think it just doesn't I think because after a while yeah Pixar started building their brand on being like the tearjerker, like the big emotional mm-hmm. minute, the things that you really develop strong emotional connections with, yeah. and that just wasn't here yet. No, um, this is just kind of more of a straightforward. Well, like, I mean, it kids was in, movie. They made they made it happen in the first Toy Story. They did. I mean, that's the thing is Toy Story one came out so good with such like a tight script and story and such like involving characters. Yeah, and this movie just does not. Compared to that one. This movie but. is perfectly good, but Toy Story was great, and Toy Story 2 is great, so it just kind of gets left behind. I think um, there's just not... I, I think most of the Pixar movies kind of transcend their genre of animated kids' movies to be like, this is an animated kids' movie, but it's so good that it's worth it for anyone to see. I don't feel like A Bug's Life transcends that. Maybe like, not, but they do have a lot of the Pixar touchstones, sure. I think. I, and I like... Just looking at this movie and realizing it's a 22-year-old movie, it looks Mm -hmm. gorgeous. Like, it still looks great. And I think that a movie's purpose doesn't always have to be to transcend. Like, granted that Pixar has sort of, like, made that the standard. But I remember watching A Bug's Life, like, as a kid on a Saturday and it being, like, perfectly serviceable entertainment for my seven-year-old self. Sure. Okay, so all the seven-year-olds who listen to this podcast... Get on that. Get on that, you motherfuckers. Whoa. Um, whoa, calling whoa, out the seven-year-olds. Yeah, well, easy. you know, th- those assholes know what they did, okay. little shits. I-, I will say, um, this movie does look fine, like, for being so old and computer animated. It's better than ants. Yeah, it <laughs> looks pretty good. Um, but I do think it really suffers from the environments not being very interesting. Like, no one ever goes anywhere, and that sort of makes sense from, like, I mean, they go to the Bug City once, and they have some nice details in Bug City, but I agree. It's all just kind of in dirt and in grass, and, like, I guess I don't know what I expect from, like, something from an ant's perspective, Mm -hmm. but... You'd think more time inside the colony. They're kind of always on the surface, which is I guess there's no scene, and I'm sure this is, but, like, the technical limitations. When you think of, like, Monsters uh, Incorporated, there's, like, the scenes in sort of the monster factory where there's just, like, all these conveyor belts and this huge sense of scope and everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like that in this movie of just, like, all these ants working together as, like, this giant sort of scope of machine. Like, there's little clips but there's never a sense of like oh there's hundreds and thousands of ants here yeah and i think a lot of it is that they just weren't there yet pixar Uh like as a company yeah monsters inc is like the perfect example of world building oh yeah and just that whole world is 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 excellent but a bug's life seems like it's on a much smaller scale almost yeah you may you may (laughs) 
Well, let's talk some details about this movie a little bit. So, uh, A Bug's Life, the film, was released on November 20th, 1998. It was directed by John Lasseter, boo, and written by Andrew Stanton, Don McInerney, and Bob Shaw. This stars Dave Foley, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Kevin Spacey, Hayden Panettiere, Richard Kind, Dennis Leary, Roddy McDowell, David Hyde Pierce, Bonnie Hunt, Phyllis Diller, and Madeline Kahn. Uh, the development of this second, story... Second Madeline Kahn movie I've seen today. Oh, oh wow. that's a good day, actually. <laughs> you, you watch two Madeline Kahn movies in day. That's a good day. I watched a Fast and Furious movie Ooh. and Ants and this. Oh, no. So... Oh, no. Yes, yeah, so uh, the development... Madeline Kahn in the Fast and Furious movie, too. God damn, that would have been awesome. Oh, man, I wish she was still alive for that. Um, so this film, along with Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc., and Toy Story 2, were all conceived during one single lunch. Wow. Uh, it was uh, a couple of executives, Joe Ramph, Andrew Stanton, uh, John Lasseter, and Pete Doctor. They all met up for lunch and kind of planned out their next couple of movies over a meal. And... Wait, who's your favorite Pixar director? You know, um... I have to think about that, actually. Uh, I really like, uh, I think Lee Unkrich is actually turning out to be really good. He did Toy Story 3 mm-hmm. and, Coco. Um, and Coco, Coco, yeah, yeah, good. which yeah. is a lovely movie. Um, I love Brad Bird's stuff. I yeah, love... Um, cool. I mean, John Lasseter directed the most of them, right? Like, he, yeah. he's sort of what he's... made... Even, I know we don't like John mm. Lasseter, and I don't... We, no, yeah, like, he's a he, creepo, but, but he, but he, he did... <laughs> okay, that that well, brought he, down his pedigree. He did the toy store, the first two Toy Stories. Mm-hmm. He did, uh, I think, all three Cars, mm-hmm. and then he did this one. And I want to say the Good Dinosaur too, or I could be wrong I mean, about that. Whoever directed Inside Out seems that's like the Pete real, Doctor. He seems that's like Pete a real Doctor. That's my favorite. I like Pete Doctor. Favorite. Yeah, the best. he did Wally as well, right? Yeah, yeah, Wally yeah, yeah. And oh, wow. Monsters Inc. and Inside Out. That's oh yeah, pretty good batting average. Uh, he's pretty fantastic. And he's gonna do the new one, not the one that just came out, but the one about emotion, not emotions, but dying. Oh yeah, Soul, Soul. Called. That one yeah. looks like a wow. good one. I am pumped. So this movie was originally gonna be an adaptation of the Aesop fable, The Ant and the Grasshopper. Uh, which is why there are ants and grasshoppers, but there's really nothing else in the game. Uh, Sorry, unscheduled dog break once again. We were talking about the ant and the grasshopper, uh, the Aesop fable, that uh, they. I think they pretty quickly realized you can't really tell a whole movie about that, not without making your ants kind of assholes. Like, this isn't the point of that one. Like, it's, it's the... Oh, no, it's the ants that are working hard all winter to save their nuts. And then the grasshopper is just being lazy and chilling and saying, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then winter comes and the ants are all stocked up and the grasshopper procrastinated and now he dies. Oh. That's the one, right? Yeah, either way. It, the takeaway is don't talk with strangers. Yeah, <laughs> takeaway take is uh, charity is for chumps. <laughs> um, but so, all right, I think we need, before we talk too much about the movie, we need to talk about the development here, which means that we need to talk about ants. Ants, 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 ants. So, yeah, you really can't talk about Bugs Life without talking about ants because we were kind of inundated with bug-related animated films. Ants with a Z, and maybe not where you expect it. (laughs) It's at the end. Is that where? Yeah, yeah. Um, Not Zant. Zant. That's that'd be like a great like early Sean Connery movie or like one of these cheapy '80s sci-fi movies. Um, so during the production of Bugs Life, there was a very public feud that erupted between Michael Eisner, who was then the CEO of Disney, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was the head of Disney's film division. 
So these two guys are very, very important for Disney because they basically turned Disney around. They're the ones who brought in Little Mermaid and kind of turned Disney's fortunes around. Michaela's boiling over. I live for Michael Eisner drama. It's so good. It's so juicy. He's such a dick. He's such an asshole. And Katzenberg is arguably a bigger asshole. But Mm -hmm. either way, uh, there was this big split and Katzenberg decided to go off and team up with David Geffen and Steven Spielberg to form their own studio, which would be called DreamWorks SKG. They later dropped the SKG because it's cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, their first, as their first project, they decided to develop a commu- computer animated story about a young ant trying to save his fellow ants from an invading force of insects. Uh, Katzenberg had gotten this idea f- directly from John Lasseter. Uh, they were close friends, and uh, La- he, had, he had kind of come to Lasseter uh, to like bare his soul after he'd left Disney, you know. Someone he was... needs to make, like, a social network style behind the mouse. Oh, yeah. The, want... oh, the, the, the Bugs Life Ants feud? Yes! I kind of want to oh, see Katzenberg it. Katzenberg-Eisner feud. I need, like, a David Fincher and an Aaron Sorkin in there. Oh, yeah. Woo. Well, I mean, okay, so basically he sat down with Lasseter and asked him what he's working on, and Lasseter mm-hmm. laid out this project, which then was just called Bugs, and uh, he just laid it out, like, and said beat by beat what they were going to do. And then within, like, a month, uh, they had Ants in production over at DreamWorks. And they were dumping money into it. They brought in this huge celebrity so, I mean, cast. He just very openly stole stole the idea, right? He pretty I mean, openly stole it. Okay. Um, I mean, I think they, they confronted him about it, and he denied it. And then they confronted him again. He's like, yeah, I did it. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then to add insult to injury, they set the uh, release date for this movie one month before A Bug's Life was set to come out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they pulled out all the stops. They brought in all the celebrity voices they could think of, including Sharon Stone, Sylvester Stallone, Gene Hackman, Jennifer Lopez, Danny Glover, Christopher Walken, and our star, a young and up-and-coming ingenue by the name of Woody Allen. So many gross men on the podcast. So many. And that's not just us. I mean, it's just like people we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we always about. at least two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so Bugs... That's probably like the first mistake of Ants, right? Is you're like, who, what... What celebrity do kids are kids really excited about? It's like, 1998. What are who, who's what are all the kids seeing? Kids They're love- seeing celebrity starring Woody Allen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they really love that. Uh, uh, what's the uh, deconstructing Jewish Harry? Yeah. yeah, that people love. It was like. Uh, the B movie, right? With they're like, oh, kids, they just can't get enough Jerry Seinfeld. Oh my so. god, B movie totally is like the successor to Ants. I never even thought about it. Maybe and Ants will have like a B movie uh, resurgence. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see it. I mean, everybody's like starts like every time they say Ant, the mm-hmm. movie goes yeah. faster or something mm-hmm. like that. So uh, to to be just a little bit extra, I did watch the movie <laughs> Ants today while I was folding laundry, and who um, man, <laughs> I, I can think. Uh, I think maybe outside of. Sh- Outside of Shrek, the original Shrek, I feel like this film has aged worse than any other animated film I can think of. Have you seen Shrek lately? Uh, yeah, and it's okay. real bad. Have you seen Shrek 2 lately? Uh, no, okay. no. Shrek 2 is the Beyonce of the Shrek franchise. It's great. And it's okay. perfectly, and I implore you to, to rewatch Shrek. I was, I was waiting to hear your opinion on Beyonce before I, uh, <laughs> before I cast the judgment. Oh, I'm like, no. wait, is this... Okay, Don't this sounds send good. Them after me. I if can't. this were me, I would say this is good. I mentioned but... <laughs> no. Uh, so ants is like, first of all, it is fucking ugly. Like it is hard to look at. Everything is brown and blurry and washed out. All the characters are super angular. Like I think they are almost going for like a weird. Like almost Tim Burton esque kind of personality to it. I don't know it. if they were going for that. So it might have just been what, what they happened. achieved. Like probably when they're like, oh, 
we have this idea we need to steal. Let's get going. Pixar was probably like a few months done with the animation. Right. And they were trying to crank it out really fast. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, this movie has no idea who it's for. Like, because you open with a Woody Allen monologue while he's getting therapy. Like, which, again, not a thing. Uh and I mean, there's lots what, of like. You don't think Woody Allen gets therapy? Oh, I, I really <laughs> fucking hope he does. But I mean, like, it, it, tonally, it's all over the place. They go to war after a while because, like, the plot is he switches places with his soldier buddy, played by Stallone, so he can impress a princess. But he winds up accidentally getting drafted into a war with these termites. And the war scenes are brutal. Like, the termites are gigantic. They're built like tanks and they spit acid. So they're like melting the ants in front of, like, ant skin oh. is melting off. Oh, no. Like, one character gets decapitated, and he's still, like, talking to him. There's, like, swear words. There's jokes about drinking from anuses. There's, oh, like, no. this movie has no idea who it's for. It's really dark. It's really gross. And none of the jokes are funny. Kid, like, loving this movie. No. Or any kid's parents wanting to take their kids to this movie. I mean, this was a movie that my parents bought. We were in we were oh, teenagers no. when this came out, though. So, like, we had it. I don't know why we had it. It's, but It's almost like um, a major studio is doing one of those mockbusters you know they're like our business model is that people will confuse this with the movie they're excited about going to see yeah it's like oh bugs life can't the bug movie came out early let's go check it out and you just you jam it full of like the biggest names you can find and they're all clearly very very bored like everybody in this movie is very bored uh it's just no fun at all um and, you know, the, the movie-going public thought the same way. Uh, Bugs Life did come out on top in this feud in the end. It was the sixth highest-grossing movie of 1998, and it earned $363 million worldwide. Ants finished 21st for the year, uh, and I don't think you really remember it at all unless you're talking about A Bugs Life. Uh, so, yeah, Ants, not great. Um, who wants to give me a plot description of Bugs Life? Like, what did, what did we... Is that... Was the nose touch... The nose touch means not it? Yeah. Oh, I thought that meant it. Uh, okay. Oh, whoever touches their nose, I'm not going to explain this. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, wait. Touch your nose if you want to do the explanation of nose goes. <laughs> what does that mean? You have to do it now, right? Okay. Yes, you got it. You got it. Okay. Anyway, uh, so Flick is like a precari- a uh, precocious ant in the right. colony who does who marches by the beat of his own ant drum and is always coming up with zany sort of Wallace of Wallace and Gromit fame like inventions. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also clumsy and doesn't follow the rules. He's a real outsider, loose cannon. Um, and he's out of control, but he gets results. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he accidentally tips over the offering that they have to give to all the grasshoppers who come around. The grasshoppers are kind of like a biker gang that comes in shape or a gangster posse that shakes down the ants for grain every summer. Yeah. Um, and so he knocks it all over. And then the angry grasshoppers come, the angriest of all, played by Kevin Spacey, mm. beloved celebrity Kevin Spacey. Everyone's favorite, <laughs> yeah. unblemished Every record. Kid's yeah. favorite. Oh, man. Exactly. Oof. Um, and so he then, petitioned to be in this movie, by the way. Like, well, he, he they were trying to get Robert De Niro for this role, and he kept passing and passing and passing. And then they ran into him, and they brought this up once. And Kevin Spacey's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I so. mean, for what it's worth, Kevin Spacey pretty scary in this movie. No, no, he's like, he's, fine. he's a yeah. frightening grasshopper. Yeah. Um, and then, so they banish... They banish Flick, who goes to find better ants, and then you kind of get like a Three Amigos type of vibe. Yeah. He finds these circus ants, and through hilarious misunderstandings, they think that they're doing a show. And, and he thinks they're warriors yeah, that he's and like then, recruiting. Yeah, you know, 
the grasshoppers come back and the ants learn to stick together and fight back. Yeah. You said that you said the uh, ten sentences, right? Yeah. Said, oh yeah. You said yeah. Short paragraph description. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even say that. Okay. Yeah, you could have kept going. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Like, uh, my film nerd uh, poll that I, I noticed the first time, or the last time I watched this, like, more than a decade ago, I had just seen Seven Samurai, and then I'm like, oh, shit, this is that, this is that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's got that same kind of basic structure of Seven Samurai, so if you like that, or Three Amigos, like you said, if you prefer that. So you're saying, now that I've seen this, I don't have to watch Seven Samurai. You're good. This is, like, okay. this is like three hours shorter. Um, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, don't ever watch a movie with subtitles. Not <laughs> ever, even once. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's basically the plot here. Uh, a couple of the characters, yeah, Dave Foley plays Flick. I will say, Dave Foley, not that interesting of a voice actor. Like, he's, Flick is quite bland Flick, as a Flick character. not an interesting no. character. Not necessarily. This was from the brief little period where we were trying to make Dave Foley, like, a thing. He was on news radio at the time. He was this, the, is what, this is what people who did Foley work were. Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. They were trying to hold him up, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're in the Foley department, the Dave Foley department. Um, yeah, he was a big breakout on Kids of the Hall, which is like one of my favorite sketch shows ever, and it's coming back. Woohoo! Um, yeah, so that's amazing. Uh, they have Julie Louis Dreyfus <laughs> playing Princess Ada, the sixty-year-old man in the hall. It's called now. Yes, basically. Yeah, there's something weird about like Dave Foley. He's not allowed to go back to Canada or something. Like he owes so much in like alimony to an ex-wife or something that he's he's he could legally be arrested if he goes back wow. to Canada. Is he not working in like shitty? you know straight to home video movies yeah yeah he he pops up in things once in a while a couple of episodes of always sunny and Um, yeah but but yeah his career has definitely fallen off like he was trying he was in news radio at this time so he was kind of a bigger deal but yeah um yeah julie louis dreyfus is princess ada who's like the recent princess of the colony her mom is played by phyllis diller random pull um we get lots of actors who would reprise multiple characters in uh pixar movies so like Bonnie Hunt is in here. She's in a bunch yeah. of them. Richard Kind. Like Hunt. Richard Bonnie Kind Bonnie is Hunt. such a good voice oh, actor. I love Richard Kind so much. Did you watch that John Mulaney Sack Lunch Bunch special on Netflix? No, not yet. Is an amazing bit where they bring in Richard Kind to just give showbiz advice to 13-year-old girls. Oh. And it's just adorable and all improvised oh. and ridiculous. And he's, all, he's just all grouchy. <laughs> it's amazing. Richard oh. Kind's the best. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, David Hyde Pierce also. Oh, oh yes. yes. Very wonderful David Hyde Pierce playing a stick bug. Dennis Leary is a uh, ladybug, but he's a man, mm-hmm. He just, and he gets very defensive about it. His name yeah. is Francis. Oddly, all those jokes I felt like like were good. I, like, I was worried that when they started off the premise, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this. I wonder if any of these like lady-a-man jokes are going to age poorly. But I thought they were all like... Yeah, the, the point seemed to be that, like, he shouldn't have been fighting, mm-hmm. like, being perceived as feminine at yeah. all, or, like, and that was kind of the point. And, like, like, his, like, relationship with all the little blueberries was cute. Yeah, he kind of blurs the lines in the end. So, yeah, I think that aged pretty and well. And I think that that's when the movies are the strongest, when you're interacting with these circus bugs, because <laughs> yeah. they all have a lot more personality <clears throat> than just the ants. Yeah. The ants all do look very similar. And there's just... I think that's where the movie suffers because there's too much of just let's follow Flick and his interaction with the other ants. Oh, yeah. But the circus ants are really fun. You get like the fat German uh, caterpillar and like the little weird chattering pill bugs and old mantis. And yeah, it's there's lots of good stuff in there. Yeah. The humor is very quick, too, once the, the circus bugs get in. Yeah. And this is never like the funniest Pixar movie. Um, It's never like laugh out loud. What's the funniest Pixar movie? Oh god, what Maybe is the funniest Toy Story Pixar? One? 
Toy Story 1 would be up there. Uh, I think Ratatouille is super funny. Um, Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. Yeah. is really funny. That's a good, like, uh, screwball comedy. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it to Monsters, Inc. Yeah, Yay. I think so. I, I feel like Finding Nemo doesn't quite work since almost 100% of that humor comes from Ellen DeGeneres' mentally damaged character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Finding Dory was not good, and we learned that she could not support her own movie. No, no. I wanted that to work, but yeah, not so much. Yeah, um, a couple of little fun facts about this movie. So John Ratzenberger, who has voiced the character in every Pixar movie, uh, he calls this one his favorite. I think it's just because it is the biggest part he gets, yeah. maybe outside yeah. of Ham. Um, but he's a very he's a very frantic like uh, circus flea, <laughs> yeah. which is a funny choice. And I like his animation because he's very stiff and very tense all the time. <laughs> and when he bounces around, it looks like a very small bug bouncing around. Like it feels like PT flea could have they could have worked harder on i don't know somehow that doesn't quite click you're like i feel like they're digging for a pun there mm-hmm. but they didn't quite find it yeah because that's not a play on barnum like pt bar like i don't know it, it's just well, taking I mean, it that first is a play well, it is barnum, that but, but it's it not like right it's not like a like a rhyming scheme <laughs> kind of gag i don't know um so originally uh leonardo dicaprio and <laughs> hugh jackman were both co- considered for the role of flick so I think this is the one and only time those guys have ever lost a role to Dave Foley. <laughs> I no. think that's just noteworthy to say. Uh, and Dave Foley actually didn't even audition for the lead in this. He was auditioning for the stick figure character, and oh. uh, they just liked him and gave him this. I why. Um, and that's kind of about all I could find on the movie. Um, you know, it's, it's a perfectly pleasant movie, like we said. Uh, yeah, I, I think it just... If you're ranking your Pixar movies, it does tend to end up near the bottom. And it's not because this is terrible. It's just because everything else is just kind of better. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they settled into a little bit of what they do. So, yeah, this does tend to be kind of like bottom five. I think, I don't know take, but I think this is better than Brave. I don't think that's don't that know. hot of a take. Yeah, Brave, is Brave bad? Brave is Brave messy. Is Brave, is bad? Brave is messy. It's okay. not bad. I think it's just kind of... Um, I think this is better than most of the sequels and Brave yeah. and The Good Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And most of the Cars movies? And, well, all, all of the, the Cars, Cars movies. movies. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. then maybe by this, it's, it's actually got some. right near it's the middle. Some. Yeah, but like mid-tier. Pixar does a thing where it's like they, they'll completely scrap a movie midway through the process and just kind of start over. And usually that's a good thing. And I think in Brave, you can tell. You can mm-hmm. tell that they have two very different movies that they kind of spliced together. Good Dinosaur is kind of the same yeah. way. It just, it's been rebooted it too many times. I'm worried about Onward, but I I'm I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, I'll try and see that this week. Um, do we have anything else to say about the movie before we move on to the game? I'll All right. Watch it again in ten years. Yeah, yeah, ten years. Check it out. It's on Disney Plus. It's uh, it's it's worth your time. It's worth your uh, ninety-eight minutes to to sit and watch. It's probably better than you remember it being. Yeah, yeah, it's perfectly pleasant. Let's talk about this game. A Bug's Life was released April thirtieth, nineteen ninety-nine. Developed by Traveler's Tales and published by Activision. This was also released on PlayStation, Windows, and Game Boy Color. Apparently, Josiah Coolidge's favorite game. If you listen to the episode last week, apparently he yeah. got real excited when we brought up this game. And uh, I can't say I've matched that level of enthusiasm <laughs> as young Josiah, uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, Traveler's Tales, we have talked about once before with Toy Story 2. At this time, they were specializing in kind of Disney platformers, but now they're best known for the Lego games. So check out those Lego games. Which they're a blast. Which is a very clear, actually, like, you can see that line very clearly of these sort of Disney games to that Lego game, those Lego games. In this one especially, there's lots of, like, uh, building and lots of very frantic, like, constantly being bombarded by enemies. But also, like, just general, like, ease of play mm-hmm. and, like, things kind of 
leave themselves open to you and none of the enemies are all that dangerous. Right, exactly. Um, kind of like the Tarzan game we talked about, this game was released on PlayStation and Windows before the movie premiered, and it didn't make it to the N64 until the home video release. So this came out right around the same time as that. That extra time might have uh, uh, helped a little bit. The N64 generally uh, gets stronger reviews uh, of this game. Uh, most of the movie's cast actually comes back and reprises their roles here. Everybody except Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Kevin Spacey, and Dennis Leary came back. Uh, this is actually technically the final performance from Roddy McDowell. So he plays Mr. Soil in this uh, classic uh, British actor from Planet of the Apes, lots of other stuff. Uh, he passed away in October of 1998, shortly before the PlayStation version was released. And he'd recorded his dialogue for this game after the movie. So this makes like only the second time I can think of where like a major actor has his last role as a video game. And the other one would be Blasto starring Phil Hartman, which would have come out that same year. Um, not a good game either, but poor <laughs> Phil Hartman. Um, all right, so let's, the the story of this game kind of follows the events of the movie. It's played across 15 different levels. So there's five worlds with three chapters each, and there's a boss fight at the end of these. Uh, the PlayStation version got uh, full motion video clips from the movie to introduce each, sex- each section. Since this is the N64, we only get a still screen and dialogue box. And the still screens don't look very good. No. Like, they look very blurry. It's like somebody took a picture of a TV. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's kind of what it looks like. Um, so gameplay-wise, this is a fairly straightforward 3D platformer. You're playing as Flick, uh, and you are navigating through the different worlds. You pick up uh, power-ups, and including like the letters of your name. I don't know what that is in Disney games. You always collect the letters <laughs> of your name to get something. Maybe I, they're trying to teach kids how to read. Uh, that could be. I mean, I know they're they're biting it off of Donkey Kong Country, right? I mean, but it still just feels like such a weird thing. It's like, what are these in their world? What does he think this is, this floating letter, like in the context of the game? What does he think this is? It's also strange. Um, so many of these Disney games, their main mechanic is throwing fruit as weapons. Yeah. Um, the Jungle Book game for Super Nintendo, your weapon was throwing bananas. Tarzan? Um, Tarzan, yeah, you threw different colors of fruit and you do it in a bug's life. You yeah. get different colors of fruit that do super fruit. The blue one, you start with a red fruit, super fruit deals double damage, and then mm-hmm. you get gold fruit, which deals even more damage. And it's still. The, the Toy Story game, you throw your lasso um, in one of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're still killing things. Like, yeah. you throw your berries at enough bugs until they explode. Like, it's not like a merciful thing. It, so it's it is just kind of, of a... funny because so much of the premise of the movie is like. Flick, Flick and the other ants are weak. Like, they can't take care of themselves. They need to work together and use their ingenuity to fight against the grasshoppers. Right. But in this, like, Flick is just a killing machine. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just yeah. get these blue fruits, and you're just tossing them like crazy and just taking out all kinds of bugs. Oh, and then you get, like, homing fruits after a while, which will chase them down. They cannot escape. Yeah, yeah and it is odd because you generally don't fight, like, only one of the five or six levels we played actually had grasshoppers as an enemy. Yeah, most of them are just like whatever bug is around will take you out, and you don't really see other bugs in the movie. There's like weirdly like more than a dozen different enemy designs in this game, which is unusual for such a short like kind of straightforward game. It all it's also just funny because like everything that was a background character in the movie is an enemy here. So like you walk into the Ant City level, and you're just immediately like attacking and killing everything in the city these are just like taxi bugs or people walking in the street and you're just killing everything poor civilian ants 
they do respawn almost instantly, and that's sort of a part of the gameplay. Is it's like not very hard, but there's always kind of things that will hurt you if you're not paying attention. Yeah, you kind of have to stay moving the entire time. Um, the big mechanic here, the big central gimmick, involves seeds, and this took a little bit of figuring out. Okay, so you can find seeds around the level, like big heavy seeds. You can either pick them up or they might be embedded in the ground and you can only use them in that spot. So in order to use the seeds, you have to jump on them. And in their standard form, they're just brown seeds and they'll turn into mushrooms. Mushrooms don't grow from seeds, I don't think, but still <laughs> we'll, we'll let that go. Um, so you bounce on one, it turns into a mushroom, which you can use as like a little trampoline to get up to a slightly higher spot. Um, and I then, tried that in real life. It does not work. No, I can it's, imagine it doesn't. For, for all the video games that I have bounced on mushrooms in, it does not work. I can just imagine you jumping on a mushroom and then immediately slipping and falling. Have you ever thought about this in general? Like the idea of jumping in video games is like so ingrained as like the default action that people do. But I have gone through weeks of my life without jumping. Oh yeah, no, right. it takes a very active effort for me to jump anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. And it's not just because we're white. No, it's not even that. It's not even that. It's it's because I don't have any turtles around to step on. <laughs> yeah. That's the only way I can do it. And so, so anyway, as you get um, different power-ups, so like you can get a blue sort of power-up, which gives you the ability to plant a different kind of seed. It's you weird, yeah. green power-up that allows you to, instead of planting mushrooms, you can press Z to switch the kind of seed you're using, and then when you jump on a seed, it'll put a little branch. Right. And so kind of, or a little plant you can jump on. And so the basic mechanic is... You might grab, pick up one seed, carry it and push it, put it by another seed, then turn the first seed into a mushroom and the second seed into a uh, twig to jump on, mm. and then you sort of bounce from one to the other, and you can make it over this platform that's you know holding you back. Right. It, it, and so you every uh, seed variation is determined by these tokens that are floating around the level. So if you get one green token, then now you have the ability to turn a seed green, and you'll get a small little sapling. Yeah, sapling. But, but if you wanted to get taller, you need to get like three or four of the green tokens hidden throughout the level, and then you'll get a sapling with like four different leaves on it, and then you can get to a higher spot. So every color of seed can be upgraded like a certain number of times. And there seemed like there was a decent number, like there's more than just those two. There's one that sort of, you plant like a blue seed and it drops different kinds of power-ups for you. One gives you a super jump. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I think this mechanic worked really well. I think it was a smart mechanic, like it did take us a little bit to figure out, but it's kind of that sweet spot sometimes in puzzles where it's like, you feel smart for figuring it out, even though it's like they're super easy. Right. Which is the kind of puzzle that I like. I like the Resident Evil style of you're like, hmm, there's a horse-shaped indentation. Right. You should put these horse talisman in it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the tokens of it overcomplicated things. I feel like it should just be find a green seed. But they do it. They Because one of the longest level we played was sort of this maze level mm. in that you would encounter a platform and it would be a certain height. And so you'd have to go back a different way, get the green token so you could do the sapling tall enough to jump over that. Right. So it encouraged you to sort of explore more of the level. Yeah, yeah. Levels are very strange, and they're very variable in length. Um, so most of them are over before you even kind of realize. Like, there's a level where you have to fly. It's it's taking a scene from the movie. You get on a dandelion, and you float across a cavern, and you need to catch little drafts of air to make it all the way across. Uh, but we didn't make it all the way across. We kind of washed up before there, and you're still allowed to walk on the ground. 
And then I just kind of walked into a shadowy corner and then said, congratulations, you beat the level. And this was not anything that was designated as like the end of the level. There was nothing else that could have let me know. I was just investigating a corner. Uh, and so, and it was just over. And I think that whole level was maybe one minute. <laughs> I mean, I do. The advantage of that is um, it makes the saves frequent, so you can go right back to the level that you played on. Yeah. And this game does encourage you to pick up lots of collectible garbage. Like, um, there's 50 pieces of grain in each level. Yeah. Um, you can spell out Flick's name. And then there's gold fruit, which we never quite figured out. That's very hidden. Oh, we did. Yeah, we, we got a couple of the, uh, the gold berries, and those are, like, the strongest weapons you have. They're basically grenades. Um, but they weren't much use by the time we got them. Like they are to kill a bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. In real life, the the grain to open doors in um the city in Bug City. Oh, do you? Okay, Okay. see, I wasn't paying attention. When you get to Bug City, encourages you to collect more of the grain. Yeah, because some doors don't open unless you have like ten grain. Oh, okay. So I do feel like you could probably, if you were just trying to beat this game, you could beat this game in less than two hours. Oh, I mean, I, we... I'm confident about that. We saw two of the bosses and, like, six of the levels plus the training stage in the hour that we played it. Yeah, it's um, only about 15 levels long. Yeah. Um, And then if you did want to go back and collect all the grain, you know, you could definitely squeeze some more gameplay out of here. I don't, yeah. I don't know why you would want to collect those things. Maybe it gives you, like, super high-res movie stills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe they they took the the Vaseline off the image in that one and just kind of let you see it. Um, I mean, other than that, he is mostly like you you have a little like uh, butt stomp, Mm -hmm. but the jumping and the platforming are really frustrating in this game because your jump never quite gets you as far as you think it's going to. uh, And the camera angles are a little difficult. I mean, this does not have a terrible camera for N64. Mostly um, the camera's pretty good because yeah. most of the levels are laid out pretty straightforward and you just want to be behind your character, which is mostly where the camera is. But since it's always kind of level with your character, it's hard to see gaps in the floor, of which mm. there are a lot of, and you end up just kind of running and falling down a gap you didn't But then see. even if you die, you just respawn right where you were and you don't really lose anything. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I do like, I, I'm a sucker for a good life bar, and I like that his is just like a leaf that gets bites taken out of it yeah. as you take damage, so I don't know. I, I like it, novel life bars. I feel like the Doom, the original Doom life bar is still the best life oh, bar. Oh, yeah. It's just the guy sort of getting more and more bloodied and upset. And that's face. pretty incredible. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, so what else is here? Yeah, the different varieties of berries you have. So like the red berries are infinite, but they don't actually hurt much uh you can just kind of keep them to keep enemies away do you know if you play as flick the whole time you do but you do run into other characters like you find i mean we met dot in the beginning but Mm -hmm. you do meet the other circus characters throughout the game that does feel like sort of a missed opportunity here of like it would be fun if there was sort of a circus themed level where you had to play as like the tumbling bugs or something and like fly through the air and yeah. do different tricks or something or the level with the spider where you sort of swing from one web to one web oh yeah i yeah. imagine we're more ambitious about this game than mm-hmm. they were but even having it like that seed mechanic in here which i can't really think of anything else that's quite like that that's pretty no. unique it reminded me of the you guys brought up the lego games earlier yeah it reminded me of kind of that building stuff to get around yeah yeah that would be the closest comparison i think I yeah think generally games based on Disney and Pixar movies are pretty decent in terms of licensed games. Like, it's clear that they put 
effort into it and it's not a total throwaway thing. Yeah. Imagine what and, the ants game would be like. Oh, there is an ants cart racer. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I looked into like, that. That needs to be our next video game tournament. Oh ants yeah. Cart ants cart racing. And if we'll do the Garfield cart and oh, the there's uh, so many weird cart Hello racing. Kitty cart. Yeah. 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 Konami crazy racers. Right. Oh Garfield man. Cart. Then I think like a Garfield cart like isn't that game that game's like not that old. No, it's fairly recent, and like, they, how did this get made? It's on it's on Steam for like a dollar all the time. <laughs> like I don't know, I always kind of mean to get it, but it looks so terrible. And then weirdly, like Hello Kitty Cart is like the most expensive game on uh, Wii U for some why? reason. I don't know why. Hello Kitty is expensive. It's it's super deluxe, and uh, <laughs> everyone was wanting it, but no one could get it. Um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about all my notes on A Bug's Life. This is a pretty short, straightforward game. I, I will say, I mean, similar to the movie, I think that this game suffers from just sort of a lack of environment, and it just, it doesn't look bad graphically. Oh, except, oh, Steve, Steve, let, let's let Steve talk about this. Yeah, it matters yeah. to him ever so much. So, uh, you know, like in real life, when you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden a big wall of brambles pops up in front of you when you get to be two inches in front of it? Yeah, that's annoying, right? This game really captures that sense. Uh, yeah, the pop-up in this is really, really bad. Like, whole chunks of environment that you should be well within your ability to see are just constantly popping up. And it actually becomes a problem sometimes because enemies will do this too like they'll be nothing and then boom five mosquitoes and it's like you're not really prepared so you have to kind of just be constantly walking through the level throwing berries yeah and if you get the homing berry it makes it easy because oh, it yeah. sort of wipes everything in front of you before you get there and but. you know in those moments when there's so much chaos and a whole lot of enemies and a lot of berries going around the game looks okay it's holding yeah. up okay but, but it is a little chuggy, and the um, pop-up's really bad. And yeah, I mean, I will say the same thing that suffers the movie suffers from is the environments are just kind of drab. It's just a lot <sighs> of brown. Yeah, lots and lots of brown. Not as brown as ants, but, you know, it's still pretty brown. Also, why aren't the ants brown in this? They're all like this weird kind of lavender color. I'm glad the ants it's aren't. It's pleasant to look at. I mean, oh, yeah, no, no. We saw the brown ants. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, the brown the brown ones were bad. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, the, the music is kind of annoying. Too much flute. Like, oh yeah is. wow they really went heavy on like the peruvian pan flute like for some reason i don't know but yeah. uh yeah and they don't really go with the score from the movie which oh, is like it's a same. nice score. It's a score yeah it's a randy newman score I mean, randy newman is kind of repeating the same beats now in toy story 4 oh yeah then, yeah bug's life yeah it's nice totally all right, I think I've about exhausted all I can say about a bug's life. We are uh, we're all a little spaced out because of uh, daylight savings time. So I hope you all remember to set your clocks forward. We don't even know forward back. I don't know. There you go. The bad one. We did the bad. Spring back, fall forward. Okay, that's what I always do when I'm at the pool. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on to our rankings for this one. So each week we are ranking the different games we have played. We have 215 games on this damn list so far. So where is this one going? Michaela, why don't you start us off? You have the shortest list here. Right now, for refresher, uh, Michaela's number one game is Harvest Moon 64. Yep. Her bottom game is Blues Brothers 2000. Quite a disparity. Yeah. Well, I flip-flop on this for a while, but I think I'm going to put it above... Toy Story 2. Okay, because, so below Tarzan. Yeah, because I can imagine playing this as a kid and being really into it, and it's just easy enough where you can just kind of barrel through, yeah. even if you don't know what's going on, whereas I remember playing Toy Story and feeling kind of stuck. Yeah, I think that's a good observation. Toy yeah. Story 2 is definitely a game that asks more of you. Yeah. And this one's 
fairly on rails, yeah, for yeah. the most and part. And I kind of just want to see the rest of it, honestly. Yeah. Like, I want to see more Bug City and, and how it all plays out. Yeah, that's fair. So there, there's that. And Woody, where's this one going for you? Uh, I like, I you know, I like this game. I had fun playing it. It was, it sort of met my expectations. I don't think it's great by any means, but I'm putting it at number 77. Okay. Which is right under uh, the first Madden game and ahead of uh, Worms Armageddon. Oh, you have a nice little bug section in there. Yeah. <laughs> wait, are, wor- uh, wait, are football players bugs? They are, or yeah. Or Worms bugs? They're all bugs to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think this game was easy to play. It's another game where if you had bought it for full price, you probably would have been pretty disappointed. Yeah. But if you're looking for digging deep into the B and C level games on the N64, this one might keep you entertained. And this one is uh, dirt cheap anywhere you look for it. Uh, yeah, this one's, this one's uh, they give it away with controllers for the most part. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you guys. I think I was uh, a, a medium level of enthusiasm for this game, uh, but it was slightly better than I was expecting. And to that degree... I am putting it at number 82, which is right below another game I thought was uh, better than I expected, Chameleon Twist 2. It's amazing to me how close we get on so many, because we don't talk about where we're putting it before we announce no, it we, here, we and genuinely we're usually like within 10, Yeah, we weirdly impressive for having 200 games on the list. Like, that was never a conscious effort, but now I feel like I need to surprise you with it for some <laughs> reason, like, like you're keeping track in your head. Uh, but yeah, we don't disagree all that often, really, yeah, but I'm, I'll be interested to compile these lists when we're all done and just see what the definitive total list would be well thank you everybody for listening oh we have one letter here to go with um and this one's actually pretty on brand for this episode so remember you can write into us ultra 64 podcast at gmail.com <laughs> can i rub your back <laughs> um all right steve woody and guest they remembered you me guest uh thanks for all your time and hard work creating the podcast thank you I'm a new listener. I probably listened to 15 or so of your episodes. I'm 30 years old and I have a one and a half year old little girl. I know I'm not, I know you're not child development specialists. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're overdeveloped children. Um, But I'm wondering what your game recommendations would be for toddlers. I'm hoping she will show interest in games before the next few years. And I'm looking to create some bonding memories playing the N64. I bought the Elmo Number Journey game, but like one of you referenced on the podcast, by the time she has the dexterity to play video games, she will quite possibly find the game to be too simple. So what are your recommendations? And that's from Chris. Thank you, Chris. That's a cool question. Um, I mean... If Can I, my yeah, you 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 want to go first, and then I'll give my hot take here. Okay, all right. I mean, my overall like my gut reaction would be, and maybe we're just talking about a lot, but I would say like a Lego game, one of the new Lego mm-hmm. games where you can't die. There is basic is Chris dexterity. Asking specifically for a Nintendo sixty four game. Well, he did say he was uh, he was looking to create some bonding memories playing the N sixty four. So I would like to try and think mm-hmm. of one of those, but um. Lego games are my first impulse. What are, what are your guys's here? Uh, my hot take is don't play video games with your toddler. Oh. Um, you let them find other sources of play and joy. Because we always just default now as video games as the entertainment method. And it's kind of ruined some other activities for us. <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe more imaginative, imaginative or interacting with physical things. And then maybe when she's six or seven... Play Mario Kart with her. Like, don't don't start with these dumbed down games. Like, play fun games with her that like anyone can enjoy, and just wait until she's the right age to do that. Okay. I, I, I don't know. Okay, yeah. all right, that's fair. That's fair. 
Uh, Michaela, do you have a pick? Oh, gosh. From the N64? Well, similar to Woody, I've also heard that toddlers shouldn't watch movies, which kind of hurts my heart. But, like, they say that you shouldn't introduce your toddler to movies until they're, like, three or four. Oh, man. development or something or whatever. <laughs> but... Um, I have a story, but I'll let you finish yeah. first. Yeah. I guess my heart says, like, the quieter, calmer games, like Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing. Yeah, but, but they like, have a lot of reading. Those are complicated. There's so much reading. Yeah. yeah. But something, like, nice and... and I don't know. I didn't have much for the N64 when I was a toddler. I mean, I just want to yeah. say, I want to say like Mario 64. Like, yeah. Just I, I mean. Run around, but it's kind of scary. I think my my first game that I remember playing was original Mario Brothers, like, mm-hmm. which I think is the right balance for younger kids. Um, mm-hmm. I, I worry if like on a, on a N64, I wonder if the 3D mechanics and like manipulating the camera would be just kind of mm-hmm. overwhelming for a young kid. Yeah. You what might about, like those bubble blasting games. Oh yeah, bubble bobble, bubble bobble. Yeah, those are f- or like oh, yeah. uh, bust a move, bust a move. Yeah. Bust those would be good. Fun. Those are very basic, like uh, color matching and like angles and stuff like that. Okay, I like that suggestion. I like that one too. Yeah. Or like uh, Pokemon Puzzle League, something like that. Like Love with kids. yes. Yeah, I like those. Yeah, so maybe a basic puzzle game or something that's just kind of like low impact walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, my other story about that was like I do. Like, I did watch movies at a very young age, and my very first memory that I can recall ever is of a movie. And it's of the movie Critters. Oh, no. Because <laughs> that was on TV when I decided to form my first memory uh, as a toddler. So, the movie Critters. So much. This explains a lot. This explains <laughs> a lot. I know they were making me watch Wizard of Oz a lot before that, but the one that stuck was Critters. So, I don't yeah. think they intended for that. Uh, but thank you for your question, Chris. That's awesome. Uh, let us know uh, what you come up with and what she kind of gravitates towards, because I'm curious. Um, Definitely. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we are Ultra 64 Podcasts on all of the social media thingies. Uh, oh, God, what are we playing next week? Oh, yes, next week we are playing Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. Uh, Should you play with your toddler? Let's find out. We shall find out. Uh, I, I, My instinct is to... Be- not play this at all. Um, <laughs> well, you that's have a the, choice, my friend. <laughs> uh, but we got to do it. We got to do it. So uh, tune in next week when we're talking about Power Rangers. Do you guys have much like Power Rangers nostalgia? I I think I, I missed it. Disliked Power. Rangers. You actively disliked it. I watched it. it and I was like, this is too much. I think I just kind of missed it. Like I was the Ninja Turtles generation, and then I got like slightly too old for it, and then yeah. I I I have very very slight Power Rangers nostalgia. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we what will your, cruise what was on your those. Power Ranger? Uh, save it for well the red ranger oh well yeah obviously because he's the reddest (laughs) I don't know the difference between them (laughs) he's the most generic of all the white guys on the show well thank you everybody for listening thank you Michaela for being here and playing this game with us and we will catch you all next time with some Power Rangers nonsense it's a hard knock life for bugs Woo!